Time now for the latest news, views, and highlights in affiliate marketing. AFCON 2010 presents Affiliate, affiliate Cast. Online, on demand, and on site. Affiliate Cast. Affiliate Cast delivers exclusive coverage of AFCON 2010 and the affiliate marketing world. Affiliate Cast starts right now. Good morning and welcome to the AFCON 2010 conference in Miami. This morning's keynote presentation is streaming live right now on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks to the following sponsor, Pepper Jam Network, the next generation of performance marketing. Learn more at pepperjam.com. Interact with your questions and comments at any time during the show. Log on to Twitter and please use the hashtag pound AFCON events. Steve Denton is the president of GSI Media and more notably Pepper Jam. He is joined by a panel of industry peers who will share success stories in their respective fields, understand the metrics that matter for each channel in the affiliate business, and demonstrate some new ways to monetize your own traffic. Now here to introduce this morning's keynote presentation at AFCON 2010 Miami, please welcome the co-founder of AFCON, Darren Babbitt. This morning we are joined by a, a fantastic uh, group of people. Steve Denton um, is the president of GSI Media and uh, he leads and manages the company's affiliate network, Pepper Jam, as well as shapes and drives the direction and overall um, uh, focus of GSI Media's business unit. Um, I'm not going to go too deep on what Steve has done. I'm going to tell you, he, he's one of the most dynamic individuals in this space, uh, is a true leader, and you need to perk your ears, Take a few minutes and, and absorb what Steve has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Denton. Hey, good morning. Uh, can you guys hear me okay in the back? No, you don't want to move up? No. So, put that down. So I was excited to come uh, talk today. It, I see a lot of friendly faces and familiar faces in the audience. and. Um, I was excited when, uh, when Brandy and the folks reached out and said, will you come down and, and talk at AFCON? And, and we talked a little bit about what AFCON was and, and, and what AFCON was all about. I was excited about it because you know, I spent the last 10 years of my life in the affiliate marketing industry. And, and I'll talk to you a little bit about that. And, and, and it's been very rewarding for me professionally and personally. And any time you get an opportunity to get out in front of publishers and help them develop their business, help them take their business to the next level, it's just so rewarding. And what I love about this conference is, is about education. I mean, we all go to conferences all year long. We go to many conferences where you know, I've paid you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to attend conferences. And I love the concept of a conference that you can go to as a publisher and just show that you're, you're actually working in the industry and you can get in and get access and, and, and get educated. So I was really excited to come down um, in the middle of December and, and talk about it and spend some time with this group. So, uh, so thanks for letting me come down. Um, it was funny when I was preparing for the, the presentation, Today, um, I was talking to I, I, I have young children. I've got a, I've got a, a 12 year old daughter. She's almost 13. So if anyone's got any, besides myself, has anyone got any teenagers in the house? 
so you know, right? You know, you know how it goes. Uh, so she's almost 13, so I'm getting close to being stupid to her. And, uh, and my son, though, my son, he's nine. So he's at a great age, right? Like, I'm still his hero. And I was talking to them about, you know, the presentation and, and, the, and the insight I got was, they said, Steve, you know, come down, educate, um, but, you know, uh, uh, make people like you and be funny. And I was telling my daughter and my son about this, and they said, well, so my daughter goes, she says, well, Dad, put up a lot of pictures, because people like to look up pictures, because you're not that interesting. I was like, okay, thanks, Maddie. And then my son goes, look, Dad, if you need to be funny, just say the word butt crack because that always makes me laugh. So, and I'll tell them that, you know, maybe about 20 of you thought it was funny too. So I'll share that. So anyway, so um, what I wanted to talk a little bit about today, I wanted to share with you, uh, tell you a little bit about who GSI and Pepper Jam, uh, uh, what we are and what we're all about. I'll spend about five minutes on that. Um, and then I really want to talk about the affiliate industry. I want to talk about, you know, the affiliate industry, the way I've seen it for the last decade. It's an incubator for innovation. And, and I'll share with you some stories there and show, share with you some wins there and why I love this business. We'll talk about a history of success. And then I'm going to share with you some network statistics. You know, I find that when you look at an industry that, that you know, is, is well over 10 years old, certainly contributes, it outpaces the growth of e-commerce on an annual basis. Why is that industry not spoken of like search is? Why is that industry not embraced and spoken like email marketing or flash sales sites and things like that? And, and I've got some ideas on that, but I think one of the things that networks can do and I think publishers can do is we need to be a little bit more transparent with our numbers. I think that there's a lot of ambiguity out there as to what's going on. So I'm going to share with you today, and it's going to be the first time I think anyone's ever seen network statistics. Like, I'll share with you, like, what's going on inside of these networks. You know, what do these different affiliate channels and models look like? And where do you fit in the food chain, right? Because if you don't understand the metrics that matter, it's going to be really difficult for you to, to, to move up that food chain and, and, and actually, you know, have a great seat at the table. Um, and then to, to wrap things up, I've never been a publisher a day in my life. I've never, I've never been an affiliate. I've never been a publisher. But as a network executive, I would submit to you that would not be a good idea, right? Because you kind of, you know, you got to work on both sides of the fence. But I brought two folks along with me today that I think are running some really innovative new companies that are going to talk to you about their space and talk to you about some things that you can do as a publisher to actually go back to your offices, go back to your businesses, put things in place that will help you make money going into next year. And the folks that I brought with me that, that I think uh, uh, are going to be helpful for you is I asked Gary Ackerman to come down and join me. So Gary's the CEO of M3 Mobile. And what his company does is SMS marketing. And what I know, like when you're preparing a speech and you're thinking about an audience, you're thinking, well, who's in that audience? Well, I assume if you're a publisher in this audience, your customers that are coming to your site actually have mobile phones, right? So how are we optimizing or monetizing or taking advantage of that asset? And Gary's going to talk to you today about the way his company, a leader in the SMS marketing space, can help you optimize that asset. And then the other thing about being a publisher is you've got to convert, right? If you're working in the performance marketing industry, you don't get paid to A-B test. You don't get paid for impressions. Half of you don't get paid for clicks. You get paid when people buy things, when you refer users to, to merchant sites. You've got to convert. So I asked Jody Marshawitz to come down here and join me. She runs a great little company in Cleveland, Ohio called iGuiders, and it's Guided Search. 
And the conversions on this thing are insane. And the way she's built this out, and I'm really excited about what she's going to show you and how affiliates and publishers can use that technology as a way to send more relevant, more uh, buyers to uh, retailer sites or services sites that are going to convert. So I think uh, we've got a great agenda for you, and I'm excited to, to move forward in the day. So a little bit about my background, like who's Steve Denton, why is he here, who is this guy? So I spent the last 20 years building and running big networks. Uh, prior to coming to GSI Media, I was the president of LinkShare. I started there in 2000. I actually see some of my old colleagues here, Bruce Gilburn sitting in the front row here, employee number seven at LinkShare. Um, that is an industry icon right there. If you uh, have never met Bruce, you should. Uh, when you talk to employee number seven at LinkShare, that's pretty impressive. But for those of you who weren't familiar with LinkShare or don't know who LinkShare is, it's one of the largest affiliate marketing companies. We sold the business in 2005 to a Japanese company called Rakuten. We sold it for about $430 million, and it was a pretty successful exit. And prior to that, I had a career at FedEx where I spent 10 years, and I started my career out at Pepsi-Cola, uh, four years of traditional marketing experience. So I'm one of the old guys in the digital media space. And the bottom line is I love this business. I can't get enough of it. I think it's wonderful because there's no other business that I've seen where if you're an entrepreneur and you've got an idea and you can execute, you can actually go out and work with folks like Dell and Target and PetSmart and Apple. Where else are you going to get an opportunity to do that with a business that you just you know, you hatched three days ago? Where else is that going to happen? It happens nowhere else but affiliate marketing. And that's why I love it. And I'll share with you some stories today of some folks that started out just like that, and they became the next big tech e-commerce story. So Steve, you sold your business for a half a million dollars. Why are you back? I get that question all the time. The timing's right. The timing is right in this industry for some more innovation from the networks. And I was excited about the collection of assets that GSI had to be able to actually turn this industry around and do some things that have never been seen before. So I was excited to do that and, uh, and, and plug back in. And the fact is, I just missed it and I loved it. So what's changed in the two years that you've been away? One, big shift in power. Social changed everything, right? Consumers now dictate what's going on. Big shift in power. Two, more networks, more choices. When I left the industry in 2008, when you looked at the Internet Retailer 500, there were 11 Internet Retailer 500 clients that had multiple affiliate programs. You know how many there are now? 87. That's a huge shift in the last three years. 87 retailers now are running multiple affiliate marketing programs. And you've got 300 CPA networks out there. More networks, more choices. More monetization opportunities for publishers. Big shift in the space since I've been gone. Tax issues, right? Nexus issues are certainly something that has changed the industry. And then attribution software, right? It used to be you could actually just sell products. It was good enough as an affiliate to just drive sales, right? Hey, I drove $100,000 in sales. Hey, I drove $200,000 in sales. But now it's just not sales. You've got to drive the right sales with the right margins, with the right contribution, with the right AOV, and the right coupon usage, right? Right? If you're a publisher, you get it. You have to get it. That's a big shift, and attribution software has changed the game. So we'll talk a little bit about those things in, 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 in our conversation today. A couple things about me, though, you might not know. I hail from the great state of West Virginia. Thank you very much. Now, I know what many of you are thinking right now. No, that is not my family tree. Right? My family tree has branches. We are not a straight family tree. That is not our governor's mansion. 
and I will prove to you that you can come out of that great state with a full set of teeth, all right? There's about six of us, and I'm one of them. So I'm proud of, I'm proud of my home state, and, uh, uh, and I always like to talk about it. A couple other things that you might not know about me. I come from a military family. I had an opportunity to grow up all over the world. I actually went to high school in Guam, and I graduated from a very small school in West Virginia called Shepherd University. And the reason I put that up there is for the first time in the 180-year history of my alma mater, we're actually playing in the Division II Final Four in football this weekend down in Cleveland, Mississippi. So besides me, who's leaving AFCON tomorrow and going to Cleveland, Mississippi? Seriously? We're flying into Memphis and we're driving two hours south. We may stop in Tunica and do some gambling on the way down. And then the last thing, uh, I, I live in Jersey. Uh, and when I'm not working, I root for my Mountaineers, I watch Red Bull soccer, and I root for the number 24, uh, Jeff Gordon Chevrolet, sponsored by DuPont. That's how you say it if you're a NASCAR fan, right? I mean, someone says, who's your driver? You need to say car, make, model, and number, and primary sponsor, right? And then the last thing I thought I'd share with you on a personal night uh, note is I actually believe that mullets and mustaches are mandatory items for Halloween, as evidenced by my last three years of Halloween costumes. So uh, that would be uh, Keith on the left, guy who never graduated from high school and can't move on. Uh, that would be uh, uh, my Joe Dirt in the middle, and then I was a Canadian hockey referee there on the right. So uh, mullets and mustaches. I've run out of ideas. If anybody has any for next Halloween, I'm, I'm looking for them now. So that's what happens when you put together Jersey in West Virginia. So who's GSI? There's a lot of stigma around GSI, so I thought I'd just clear it up for you. GSI, uh, we have, uh, we're a $1.2 billion company. We have anywhere between six to 10,000 employees, depending on the seasonality. And uh, we've got three main uh, units of business. One is our global e-commerce business, which is our cart business, which I'll tell you a little bit about. Then we've got our global marketing services business, and then we're in the consumer engagement business. Uh, what we're trying to do is really just connect the dots connect the assets, right? There's no such thing anymore as a monomedia customer. That customer doesn't exist. People are always talking about the multi-channel customer, but it's not a monomedia customer. That customer just doesn't exist anymore. So we try to connect the dots, right? So we see them through their customer life cycle, whether it's acquisition, interaction, or retention. We see them through the transition cycle. We have multi-channel, and then we do B2C innovation. And I'll tell you about our three businesses. So our e-commerce business is our cart business. We serve as 180 clients globally. We touch over 33% of the internet retailer 500. It's a transaction-based business, and we're in the US, Europe, and Asia. And the services we provide there are platform payments, freight and fulfillment, we've got our call centers, and we've got a direct response business. So essentially, our business there is like an affiliate. We will go to someone like a Toys R Us or a Ralph Lauren, and we will build their website, merchandise their website, host their website, host the car, cart, host the fulfillment and the logistics, and we'll do it on a rev share basis. We'll do a long-term deal, and we'll work and take a percent of sale on every transaction that happens on that website. So when you go to ToysRUs.com, you come to our site. When you go to Polo.com, you come to our site. And we perform those services for our clients. So because we have this center of our ecosystem, which is working on a rev share, almost like an affiliate, it becomes important that you surround this ecosystem with marketing services. So this is where actually my business, GSI Media, fits. So in the GSI marketing services, we've got our agency, which is True Action. We've got Silverline, which is an agency. And then we've got some demand-based vehicles there. We have an email marketing firm called eDialog. We've got a retargeting company called Fetchback. We've got MBS, which is a database management warehouse. 
Pepper Jam, which is our affiliate business, M3 Mobile, which is Gary's company, and, uh, and, and a couple of other smaller organizations that we own. And then the other part of our business is our consumer engagement business. So that's actually uh, Rulala, which is a flash sale, members-only type of site. And then we just recently launched ShopRunner. Have any of you heard of ShopRunner? Just show of hands. A couple folks. So ShopRunner is uh, like Amazon Prime. What we've done with ShopRunner is we've combined you know, well over 40 retailers so that you pay $80 a year for a membership. And anything you buy online from any of those 40 retailers, you get second-day shipping for free. So it's been fantastic. We rolled it out in October. It's going head-to-head -head with Amazon Prime, and we're really excited about that. So those are the three main businesses about, of what we do at GSI and, and, the, and the different uh, way we touch our clients. Um, real quick, a little bit about Pepper Jam. We're actually an affiliate marketing company. We're headquartered in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. For those of you not familiar with Wilkes-Barre, it's actually there, uh, north of Harrisburg, south of Scranton, uh, where the office is. And that's actually we're in the Innovation Center there in downtown Wilkes-Barre. Question I get asked all the time is, hey, Steve, where did the name come from? Right? Well, the name comes from, it was in 1999, the company got started as a gourmet food retailer selling Grandma Jones Pepper Jam. And that actually is Grandma Jones Pepper Jam. And that's how the business got started. And as the business evolved, it created an SEO PPC uh, affiliate marketing agency in 2001. We launched an affiliate marketing network in 2008. Uh, acquired by GSI in 2009, and today we've got over 800 merchants and 30,000 active publishers in our network. A couple of network statistics, we do retail and CPA services. We've got over a million partnerships. We've got 33 internet retailer 500 clients, and every publisher that is in the network is actually assigned a personal account manager. And this is a list of some of our category killers as far as you know, some of the clients we work with. Does everybody feel like they're up to speed on GSI and me and Pepper Jam? We're good? Yeah. Perfect. So let's move on. Let's talk about you. All right? Let's talk about the affiliate marketing or the performance-based marketing industry. It's an, it's an incubator for innovation, and, and, and it's a history of success. You know, at this time of year, you see all the articles that come out about the tech stories of 2010. 2010 was about location, location, location. The 10 best tech stories of 2010, right? All the forecasts come out about the next five years, what's going to go on. I will tell you right now, if you're looking for the tech story, the e-commerce tech story of 2013 or 2014, you don't look any further than what an affiliate is doing today. Because the tech story of 2013 and the tech story of 2014 is someone who's doing something today that is working in an affiliate relationship. I guarantee it. Because historically, it's proven itself out to be true. When I started in this business, big affiliates were email marketers. Email marketing started out on the affiliate side of the business, picking up deals on a rev share. Shopping comparison engines, that wasn't its own vertical. They were affiliates. BizRate, Price Runner, Price Grabber, all those folks, those were affiliates in 2000. What are they in 2002? Tech e-commerce story of the year. About.com, an affiliate. Daily Candy started out as an affiliate. Pronto, owned by IAC, started out as an affiliate. Yahoo Shopping when it first launched. You know what those deals are powered by? Affiliate deals. It's a wonderful business. It's a fantastic business that historically every year outpaces the growth of e-commerce and continues to innovate. 
And that's why I get excited to come to shows like this, to meet folks like you, to talk about what you're doing, to help you take your business to the next level. I mean, look at the coupon space, right? Everybody saw that Whale Shark Media bought Retail Me Not, what, last week? Everybody see that? See what they paid for that? Right? A little bit north of $90 million, right? Price Runner, Price Grabber, they got purchased back in 2005 for $400 million, respectively. They just started out as affiliates. It's a wonderful business. And when I look out in the room today, I know many of you in this room, and I know the businesses that you're in, and I will tell you, you know, we're looking at the next tech story of 2013, 2014. And that's why I get so energized by it. Right? I see hundreds of millions of dollars of businesses. Let's talk about the affiliate space real quick, right? I mean, look at these numbers. Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, there was a billion dollars of e-commerce sales driven in the United States. Affiliates drove $100 million of that. Through the first 33 days of the holiday shopping season, $17 billion of U.S. e-commerce has taken place. $1.4 billion have gone through affiliate sites and sales. Affiliates have earned over $112 million in commissions in the first 33 holiday shopping days. That's a big business. That's an exciting business. And that's one that I get excited to talk about. Successful affiliate programs are gonna generate 10% of any retailer's e-commerce sales. 46% of your traffic, if you're a retail-based affiliate, and 41% of your revenues are going to take place in November and December. So it's a very deal-oriented, coupon-oriented space today. But, you know, I would just submit to you that, that, you know, the problem that I see in this space, frankly, because the numbers are undeniable, but the problem that I see is because you are out serving as an incubator for innovation, and you're out on the frontier, it's very difficult to normalize the frontier, right? It's very difficult to have standards out on the frontier because you've got to stay ahead of the curve. And because you're staying ahead of the curve, it's difficult to have standards that everybody can actually agree to. And I think as an industry, when you think about the amount of dollars and the amount of revenue and the, amount of, 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 and the types of results that we drive, We've got to find a way as networks and as publishers and as retailers to actually elevate that because they can't be denied. It's a decade, not one year, a decade outpacing the growth of e-commerce. Search engine marketing firms were affiliates in 2002. They just did it better than everybody else. The next thing is coming out of an affiliate. So let's take a look at your channel. So when I look at affiliates, I look at affiliate models by channel, just like industry. I look at affiliate models by channel. So this is a pretty busy graph, and and I'll break it down for you. But the size of the ball actually represents how big they are in the affiliate space today. So obviously, uh, the big big green ball there uh, is your coupon and deal sites. So I break affiliate channels down into nine different channels. So certainly coupon and deal sites are are driving the biggest percentage of what's going on in the affiliate business today, followed by loyalty, cashback, incentive sites. And then you see, you know, different models out there, PPC search, niche, uh, incentive, emerging technology, social shopping, 
And uh, there's one more baked in there, but it, it, it's a small one. So this is where they represent. So certainly as you break that down and you take a look at all orders by affiliate type, 63% of all orders today on U.S. retail sites coming through affiliates are coming through coupon and deal sites, period. 63.3% are coming through coupon and deal sites. That shouldn't be a surprise, right? It shouldn't be a surprise, and it also shouldn't be a surprise why affiliates actually kill it on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, because people are looking for deals, right? And if you're looking for deals, affiliate sites have those. 24% of all sales are coming from loyalty and cashback. So basically, 90% of all U.S. affiliate sales right now are coming from loyalty and cashback and coupon sites, period. Followed by 3.5% of emerging technology, one6 in comparison shopping. And frankly, I just think that's the stuff that they're not picking up on a CPC basis. And then and you can see that. And then your niche shopping sites are your emerging areas where you're seeing a lot of growth. Repeat customers. So where do you fit in the food chain? Because your retailers are looking for new to file. So what are you good at doing? Are you good at driving new customers? Are you good at reactivating old customers that haven't bought for the last 18 months? Are you good at just driving commerce? But where do you fit in the food chain? So I don't think any of you probably get a lot of insight into what percentage of new customers or repeat customers you actually drive to retailers. So I'll share it with you. So on the coupon side, and it's funny, like, so the August data, the black line, that's August of this year, and then holiday is holiday of last year. And the reason I can't share with you holiday of this year is two, right? One, it's going on, and two, as a publicly traded company, I can't provide any guidance, right? So this is the percent of... Uh, of uh, uh, repeat customers. So if you look at, say, uh, the coupon space in August, you know, 27% of the customers that came through the coupon affiliate channel were repeat, which basically means, right, 73% uh, of them were new. That's impressive. If you know you're driving 73% of the customers to a retailer site that are new, then you should be negotiating a different set of metrics. But you need to understand the metrics that matter. And then in holiday season, the percent of new customers only goes up as you move into holiday, right? You're driving more new customers during the holiday season than you are normally because people are looking for deals, right? And they're not as loyal to the brands. So I'll let you take a look at that there. I mean, certainly it shouldn't be any shocker that incentive and loyalty sites drive the, the, the lowest amount of new customers, right? But they also convert at the highest rate because the purchase decision's already been made. Right? I've already made the decision I'm going to buy the red crushable hat from Coldwater Creek. I've just decided I want to buy it through Ebates, or I want to buy it through YouPromise, or Mall Networks, or any one of the, the loyalty sites out there. But as you can see, I mean, that should be, I mean, I don't, you know, listen, if you've been in the space a long time, you've never seen this. And that should be interesting data for you, to see the percentage of new customers that different channels are driving. You need to understand that. Because when you understand that, you can negotiate a different type of deal. Maybe you're actually in the lead gen business, right? Depending on where you fit in that whole food chain. Make sense? Yeah? No? Just give me a nod. Anything. Yes, yeah, Steve, we're with you. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for the thumbs up. I appreciate it. Uh, conversion rates. So affiliate networks converted about 2%. So about 2% uh, of all the traffic you send, actually, and when I talk conversion rates, I talk click to buy, right? 
and then already sorted out through attribution. And then certainly different models have different types of conversion rates. So, you know, loyalty and cashback sites convert at a high rate. Uh, coupon and deal sites convert at a high rate. But with a big shift are these vertical niche sites. These folks that are building out these vertical niche sites that are very specific in content, very specific in what they're doing, providing wonderful uh, uh, content, providing wonderful uh, incentives to actually go through that site, they're converting at insane rates. I mean, when you're converting 9% of your traffic, that's impressive, right? Because remember, you're not getting paid for clicks or impressions or A-B testing. You only get paid when people buy stuff if you're working in a traditional affiliate model. So the networks converted about 2%, uh, and this is the individual channels and, and where they convert. So um, I've seen loyalty and cashback sites convert north of 14%. These are just averages. And I just want to be clear on the data I'm sharing with you. It is aggregate data across a network, right, across many, many, many publishers in different verticals and many different merchant verticals, right? If you look at these by merchant vertical, you'd see different sets of metrics, right? Because apparel is a little bit different than toy, Toys a little bit different than consumer electronics, but these are the type of these are, this is the level of information you need to be digging into to understand the metrics that matter, so that you can actually get yourself a seat at the table, because you should have a seat at the table. You're driving a lot of revenue. The problem with affiliates is they bail too early on their business models. I'll tell you a quick story about LinkShare before we move on. I'll never forget. It was May of 2001. Payroll was coming up. It was the end of the month. Payroll was coming due. I think we had, I don't know, 30000 bucks left in the bank. Payroll was certainly north of that. We weren't going to make payroll. And you know when you're running a business, you don't make payroll, the party's over, right? I mean, you're done, done, done. Because, you know, most people aren't showing up for free because they're not the owners. And I'll never forget, you know, the conversations that were taking place. I mean, we weren't going to make it. Um, we were already negotiating debt. Uh, it, was, uh, it was tough, but everybody was in a tough spot, right? Because the Internet was blowing up, right? I mean, in 2000, the Internet's blowing up. You got a lot of clients that are just e-this and e-that and e-everything that are going out of business and not paying your bills. And you're an affiliate network. Affiliates are getting stiffed. Networks are getting stiffed. Who remembers um, cyber rebates? Just by a show of hands, that would tell me the level of... <laughs> right. Cyber rebates was the biggest merchant going in 2000. Cyber rebates, they were paying their affiliates $400,000 a week. And this, this was the typical internet Ponzi scheme of 2000. It was get yourself a hairdryer, pay $400 for it, and we'll send you a rebate, and you mail it in within 30 days, and you have your hairdryer for free. So the whole model was based on breakage. Right? If, if, if only 85% of those folks send in their rebate, you know, the breakage is going to fund the business and then the float on the amount of money. And I'll never forget, those guys went out of business and, and it was just, it was crazy. But we weren't, it was bad. We weren't going to make it. And we weren't going to make payroll. And we had some early receivables come in. And we, um, uh, we barely made payroll that weekend because we had some receivables coming over the weekend. A couple of us didn't take checks and we made a $14 profit in June of 2001. 14 bucks. And then we sold the business in October of 2005 for $430 million. And my point in telling you that story is the problem I see in the affiliate space a lot of times is people give up on their businesses too early, right?
to give up a little bit too early. Because it's easy to get, it's easy to get a little bit, um, um, uh, you, you can, it's easy to get down on it. Uh, it's tough. But, and you're working on a rev share basis. But I assure you, that there is a history of success there. I could name companies all day long that have started out as affiliates and moved on. And they continue to out-innovate and stay ahead of the curve. And that's why I love this business. So don't give up on your businesses too early, because that's the biggest thing that I actually see that, that actually happens in the space. Um, we talked a little bit about the conversion rates. Uh, a couple of key insights I just want to share with you. Affiliates are a great tool for customer acquisition, especially during the holiday season. When you're thinking about doing your compensation or your commission structure with your retailers, think about throwing in a new customer acquisition kicker. Right, if you're telling me that you want to pay me 7% for sales, are sales that come from new customers worth more? Right? Is there a blended average we could work out? Is there a way I could get a new customer acquisition kicker? But then think about how would you use the assets that are available to you to actually drive new customers for them? You know, conversion rates during the holiday, they're lower than non-holiday, and that's typically due to coupon shopping. And that'll just tell you, right, consumers are not loyal to brands during the holiday period, right? They're loyal to pricing. They're loyal to coupons. You can find those folks. Comparison shopping attracts the highest percentage of new customers as people are typically searching for the best deal uh, around the holiday season. You know, as the holiday season continues to grow in importance for you, I mean, I'm telling you, 42% of your revenue is happening right now, November and December, if you're a retail affiliate. As it becomes more and more important to you, you'll need to focus more and earlier on your holiday promotions, much like retailers do. Like, you need to be selling them out in June. Like, in June, you need to be getting your inventory locked down. And I would approach it that way. Uh, niche sites continue to have a much higher conversion during holiday and non-holiday. This is an area I would tell you to spend some time focusing on. Find something that you do really well. Find an area, and there's so many places today, even if you don't have your own content, you can buy it. You can create niche sites. You should be able to do that. And then certainly we talked a little bit about during the holidays, shoppers look for special deals and coupons, and, and, and they're certainly out there. Free shipping, always a big driver. Um, and, and, and look for those deals and, and take an advantage of those. So those are just some of the things. You know, I had, I had a little bit of time. I had an opportunity to come down and talk to you folks today. I wanted to just come down and share some things with you from a network standpoint and let you see some metrics that matter and think about your business in that way. I've asked two people to come here, um, and I'm going to be around today. If you have any questions and you want to discuss anything on a one-off, uh, I'm going to be around today, so I'd love to meet you and, and, and chat about uh, whatever. The only thing, I can't provide you any holiday uh, uh, insight as to what's going on uh, just because of guidance purposes. Um, but everybody's seen the numbers, right? I mean, everybody's seen that you know, e-commerce for the holiday season is up like, 12% overall, and then you've got certain sectors that are up 28%, right? Everybody sees what's going on with the e-com, um, the e-marketer reports and things like that, and I would submit to you that those hold pretty true, right? People should be in a good mood, right? I mean, we've seen a good shift, and, and certainly uh, it's amazing uh, what's going on in the space, and it only continues to, to grow every year. I will tell you this, as someone that's been in this business for over a decade, um, every year something's going to kill affiliate marketing, and every year, affiliate marketing kills it. I mean, every year, there's going to be something that people are, oh, it's going to kill the space. It's going to kill the space. And every year, the publishers out-innovate, out-execute, and they stay ahead of the curve, and they just kill it. 
And I would just encourage you to keep doing that because I'm excited to work with you every day and find ways to actually you know, help your businesses grow and continue, and continue to move it forward. So to that note, I've asked two of my friends to come here today and spend a little bit of time with you to talk to you about ways that you can use assets you have today to improve your business and move it forward and, and, and look for even better results in 2011. So anyway, I thank you guys for your time this morning. I look forward to talking to you and meeting you throughout the course of the day. Have a great show. Enjoy the rest of your holiday season and travel safe. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Gary. All right, let's switch out of uh, presentations here. Thanks, Steve. Um, I'm Gary Ackerman from M3 Mobile Marketing, and uh, here today to share some opportunities with you. And, and before we get into the presentation, I would just just a show of hands um, for the people in the room. Who is using mobile technology at all today to promote their business? All right, good. About 30%. So hopefully, for the other 70%, there's an opportunity here to be educated a little bit about what's going on in our space and <clears throat> some of the emerging technologies that are available to affiliates, publishers, and, and merchants. Um, but before we get into the actual presentation, I'd like to show you a quick video that I think really sums up where we are today with mobile technology and how it's become really part of our everyday life. Maybe get a couple laughs too. seen that before? It's a good one. So obviously mobile phones are on us at all times and it seems like they've even become uh, a hazard in some perspectives and, and especially you know I mean people are driving and text messaging which isn't safe but you know text messaging when, you're when your son's about to throw you a baseball probably isn't safe either. Um, from an agenda perspective today Really simple. Just talk about three things. I'm going to show you some industry statistics, what's happening in the mobile space, what are the penetration rates with a lot of the different emerging technologies that are available out there today, because there is something new that comes out every single day. And it's confusing as a retailer uh, or, a, or an affiliate or a publisher or a consumer to say, what's the right fit for me? What can I use to leverage my business to get my consumers engaged while they're on the go and they want to be in the know? show you some of the different technologies that are available, and then talk to you about something that you may be able to think about with your businesses. How can affiliates and publishers leverage the mobile space to earn commissions to help merchants drive sales and drive new, new customer acquisition? So we're at a point now with mobile, and, and, and it, there's no denying it, that you don't leave your, your house without your mobile phone. So when you leave your home in the morning to either go downstairs to your office in your basement or drive to the office, you're grabbing your keys, you're grabbing your wallet, and you're grabbing your cell phone. And a lot of the emerging third world country markets, uh, you, you even, you're not even grabbing 
your wallet. You're grabbing your cell phone and your keys. And the wallet has become the credit card. The wallet has become, uh, the, the phone has become the wallet and the credit card um, where you have the opportunity to do commerce on the phone now. And I actually saw a commercial the other night, which I thought was very cool, where in certain essences, it's, it's already becoming your car keys as well. OnStar actually just launched a mobile app. Has anyone seen the, on, the OnStar app yet? Well, I just saw a commercial on TV. You can unlock your car from your cell, from your cell phone. You can check your gas levels from your cell phone. You can um, see your tire pressure from your cell phone. Essentially, everything that you could see from the OnStar website, you can now see through their application on your mobile phone. So who knows? One day, maybe we're just leaving with our cell phone, and it's our wallet and our keys. But um, talk about some of the statistics out there. From a penetration rate in the United States, 91% of humans have a cell phone over the age of 13, 70% globally. So when we talk about reach and addressable market, it kills the PC. Everybody has a cell phone. If you want to be able to reach your consumer and you want your consumer to be able to reach your company, you have to be starting to communicate with them on their cell phones. 97% of phones globally are SMS enabled. And that's really what my company focuses on, is the SMS side of, of mobile marketing. We're going to talk about a lot of different technologies today, but that's really our focus. And it's a least common denominator. If you want to communicate with your consumer over their cell phone, the easiest way to get in is through SMS, because you know you're not alienating anybody. You know, certain people have smartphones, certain people have dumb phones, uh, certain people have the ability to download an application. Everybody has the ability to do SMS marketing, and it's addictive. So when, that when the phone buzzes in your pocket, you want to know who's trying to get a hold of you. Because it's either going to be somebody from work, it's going to be uh, one of your kids or your parents, or it's going to be a brand that you've given specific affirmative confirmation to market to you on your cell phone. And, and, and the communication with marketing to the cell phones is very regulated, and it's very compliant from the carriers. I think everyone could, could imagine two or three years ago, maybe even four or five years ago, the amount of SMS spam you got on your cell phone stock tips, alerts of the day, sports news, things that you didn't opt in for. Just by a show of hands, how many people get less spam today than they did four years ago on their cell phone? Okay, pretty much the majority of the crowd. The reason for that is that the carriers have done a really, really good job policing the industry. So when, when merchants want to go and launch a new program with SMS, it has to be approved by every single wireless carrier in the US. Internationally, it's a, little more, it's a little more loose, but they want to keep it a clutter-free environment. They don't want it to become an email technology where there's spam. And that, that drives up the addictive rate of wanting to know who's going to communicate with you. It's either a brand that you're loyal to, a family member, a friend, or work. So you're going to see who's communicating with you. And a lot of times we get compared to email marketing. And, and we all know the statistics on email marketing. Uh, there's a lot of spam. It's gone downhill. Um, from an open rate perspective. And, you know, I think traditional open rates are somewhere in the high single-digit area. If you're doing very, very targeted or segmented marketing, you may get up to 20%. We really, because of the, the nature of the things that I talked about with the, with the regulations and the carriers, they are people that you want to communicate that are, that are texting you to your cell phone. So, for that reason alone, it's got a 95% open rate. We don't really delete a text message without looking at it because we want to know who's communicating with us. And those, conversion, that, those open rates transition into conversion rates. So you could start thinking about anything that you've done over email for the last four or five years and you're getting 5% open rates to 20% open rates. Multiply that conversion rate now by 10%, by 20%. 
And think about the dollars that are starting to be driven through this channel and the redemption rates that go along with it. 153 billion text messages sent in the U.S. last year. And I get the opportunity to speak at, at, at events like this every now and then, and inevitably a question will come from the crowd or, or after the speech, and they'll say, Gary, what's the year of mobile? And I get that all the time. And I don't have an answer to it because I don't have a crystal ball. But what I can tell you is that you'll, when you know that it was the year of mobile, it'll be after the year of mobile. And you'll miss out on it. So it may have already happened. And you don't want to be one of those marketers that says, I missed out to get in, to get in on the internet when it was really hot in 2002 and 2003. And that's really where we are right now with mobile as well. You need to get in now because if you don't, your competitors are. And when you find out it's the year of mobile, you were a year too late. Show of hands in the room, how many people use their cell phones to access the internet? Okay, I, wasn't, I was going to ask the question in reverse and say how many people don't, but I didn't want to embarrass the, probably the two people that didn't raise their hands right now. So by 2013, the phone will be the access medium of choice to get on the internet. And if that's not staggering enough to start paying attention to what's happening in the mobile space, I don't know what is. 20% um, of all search traffic by 2012 will be done on the mobile phone. And really, the mobile phone, you know, we all, we all hear that the internet is going local. You have to concentrate on local. Search is going local. Well, the reason why all of these mediums are going local is because of the cell phone. You can access information wherever you are now. We get a, a, a lot of questions on, on, you know, and Steve touched on it very briefly in his presentation, multi-channel marketing. That's a big buzzword, you know, for the last two years. What's multi-channel marketing? It's something different to every, to every marketer out there. You know, we really look at it as a channel, as a direct communication channel vehicle. So do I have a platform technology that gives me the ability to communicate with a consumer over email, over SMS, over social? Uh, do I have a CRM database that allows me to manage all, all that information on a consumer on a 360-degree angle so that I know how to market to them better, to drive targeting, and to drive redemption, um, and give the consumer a choice? That's really what it's all about. That's how you drive up redemption. Let the consumer tell you how to market to them. But the interesting part here is that we feel that mobile is social, and social is mobile. Because when you download a cool app, or you get an SMS coupon that's a great deal, or you go to a mobile website, traditionally, you, it, when you have your phone on you, you are around people. And it's viral. And it's social. And, and the, the fact is that there's 500 million users on Facebook today. 200 million of them <coughs> access Facebook through their mobile phone. 40%. So mobile is social. Very quickly, you guys don't want to be bored by me, but my company, we founded it in, in 2007 um, with the idea of using SMS marketing, creating a campaign management platform and a reporting dashboard that tracks redemption and, and conversion for large national retailers. Um, and then we started to go international last year as well. Um, but really, retail was the place that we felt was the best return on investment in 2007 um, to get into the mobile space because you're driving revenue and you're showing return on investment. Now we see a lot of CPG brands, a lot of pharmaceutical companies starting to fall in now that the industry has been proven out. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have my company acquired by GSI Commerce. Um, and our, our company actually rolls into a company called eDialog, who's also owned by GSI Commerce, and they're one of the largest email marketing providers in the world. Uh, they have about 300 blue, global blue-chip clients that use them for email marketing. Um, I think they're going to send out around 40 billion emails this year. And they acquired our company to kind of take what we had built from a platform perspective and integrate that into email. So that's the next step of, of direct digital marketing going from email to SMS for some of the numbers that we showed you about earlier.
So these are the, from a high level, these are the top four mobile technologies that are really available to market, marketers today. And the percentages that you see over the phones are the penetration rates in the U.S. 90, not, that's uh, actually 97% that should be SMS-enabled phones, as we talked about earlier. And that's really the infrastructure. And we, when we talk to our clients and advise them, and how do you get into mobile marketing, you need to build an infrastructure. Think about the mobile phone number. It is the number one hook that you'll ever have into your consumer. They change email addresses, they have multiple email addresses. They move their home, direct mail is not the best way to go. One mobile phone number with local number portability, you now have the ability to keep that number with you as a consumer for the rest of your life, regardless of where you live in the US. So as, as, as a marketer, pulling that number from your consumer and getting that hook, you're gonna be able to follow them forever. And when we talk about building out that infrastructure, it's gonna give you the ability to leverage the other technologies that we have here, because now you have the ability to drive them to these other assets, like mobile applications. Now that number's 35%. Realistically, it's about half of that. Uh, a lot of the dumb phones that come out today have native um, applications built into them that aren't really feature-rich, but they count as applications. So think about that number as at about 17%. One of the difficulties with mobile apps is that there's no ubiquity in the United States on networks. So if I'm a brand and I want to develop a mobile application, I need to decide what, device, what devices I want to develop that application for. What operating systems do I want to develop that application for? You have Google, you have, you have Droid, you have Apple, you have Windows, and there's no ubiquity that allows you to develop an app one time and have it be ubiquitous across those, those networks and those devices. So where do I invest my money? Because it's not cheap to develop an application. Um, it's, that's not really what we advise our clients from a tactical level on how to get into the industry first, but it is very cool, and there's a lot of neat applications that are out there today. On the other hand, mobile web is ubiquitous in the U.S., so there's platforms out there that are available that allow you to develop a mobile website one time, sit on a platform, and that platform has the ability to sniff out what operating system the consumer's phone is coming in from, what type of cell phone, what screen size resolution to de deliver the best pixels and, and, and experience and optimize that on the fly, real time, for that consumer's cell phone. So when you're thinking about investing into a mobile site, and, and, and affiliates and publishers really should start thinking about this, you want to start driving traffic on the mobile phone, and you want to start doing search on the mobile phone. You have the ability now to go develop once and have it be ubiquitous across platforms. And that wasn't even available on the internet when it first started launching and emerging. You had a lot of that same kind of problem that we have on mobile apps, which I need to develop more than one time. So the mobile web is a great place to kind of get a leverage on that investment dollar that you're putting in. And then, and then last would be location-based services. And these are really cool as well. Um, but there's some issues around them as well. So this, this is what's called geofencing. So the cell phone towers out there have the ability to triangulate where you are at any given point. And if, if you opted into a program, they could send you a text message if you're two miles from the gap. Um, and they'll know where you are and send you a message. This is also when you download an application and asks you if you want push notification based upon your, your GPS. And, you know, they'll send you a coupon to go to the movies if you're near, you know, near a movie theater. There's still a lot of speculation around this medium. Consumers still feel like it's Big Brother. Do I really want brands to know where I'm at, when I'm there? Um, so it's still emerging. There's still a lot of, of vetting out process that's happening. Um, but it is a very, very cool technology. I just think it's, it's probably two years away from reaching any type of address, you know, mass um, because of some of the compliance and regulatory issues around that Big Brother aspect of it. So the most difficult thing for a brand 
to do when they want to move into mobile marketing. And, and, and we're, we're traditionally talking to the big retailers out there globally. The hardest thing, yes, I want to move into mobile. Those statistics look amazing. I want that kind of redemption. How do I get in the game? Well, you have to build a database. Remember we talked about the opt-in and how stringent that is and how compliant you have to be and letting your consumer know what they're opting into? That's, there, there's no list. It's different than the early days of email where you can rent a list or buy a list and just start marketing to it and spamming it and, and, and blasting to it. There's no magic pill on mobile. You have to, since the carriers are so stringent, you have to work very hard to build that database to get that return. So we thought, and we developed this product actually with Pepper Jam, that how do we take the affiliate scale and the publisher scale and the tens and thousands of uh, people like you out there that, that have eyeballs and use that to help brands build their mobile marketing databases faster. Because if I'm XYZ brand and I've got 15 million hits on my website uh, during holiday season, you know, I'm gonna get a certain percentage of people to opt in for my mobile phone pro program right then and there. But if I could scale that across an entire affiliate network and pay affiliates and publishers for helping me get people to opt in, I'm scaling my database faster, I'm driving revenue faster, and, and I'm, I'm returning my investment faster. So it's the mobile marketing widget. Um, it's really a creative name. Um, but essentially, it, it's a flash banner creative. So you have the ability to d develop any type of flash creative within this banner. Any, any video, any pixel, vertical, horizontal, you name it. There's a field within that creative that allows a consumer to put their mobile phone number in. In this case, uh, the example here is Williams-Sonoma. They'd be able to drive X amount of opt-ins through their website. How much can they drive through an affiliate network? So the consumer puts their mobile phone number in, and simultaneously they're delivered a text message. Williams-Sonoma, uh, thanks for subscribing, and you're going to give a little compliant information. You're going to receive two to four messages a month, yada, yada. Something happens on our technology where we've built into all the carriers, and what we do immediately is we find out whether that, that's a valid mobile phone number. So when the consumer clicks submit on that banner ad, we ping all the carriers within a millisecond. We find out if it's a valid mobile phone number. And if it's a valid mobile phone number, we send out that text message that I showed you on the last slide. And it's a confirmation message. If it's not a valid mobile phone number, the cookie never drops. It never goes to the landing page. And it says, please submit a valid mobile phone number. So there's a couple things that happen there. One, brands feel very confident in paying out for acquisition in this channel because of the lack of fraud. So if, if a consumer is gonna give you their cell phone number, we're gonna check and make sure it's a valid cell phone number, then we're gonna deliver them a message, and they're gonna re reply back affirmatively with a double opt-in saying, yes, I did subscribe for this information. Essentially, you've eliminated fraud, and what that does is drive up the value of that list building that you're able to do for the brand. So traditionally, you're getting a dollar fifty, uh, you know, dollar dollar fifty, two fifty for email addresses. Think about all the statistics that we talked about with that mobile phone number. What can you get for a mobile phone number for a brand? They're going to have that hook and that consumer for life, and you eliminated fraud in that acquisition channel. Um, so, so we think you can get a lot more than you've gotten over traditional list building technologies in the past. And the consumers delivered a coupon. Um, on their cell phone at that same time, and the coupon allows them to go right to the website from their, their cell phone to the website to put in that promo code, and as an affiliate marketer, you're getting paid on the list building aspect of it, and you're getting paid on the commission aspect of it. So we think that it's a great opportunity uh, for, for affiliates like you um, to get into the mobile space. But there's a lot of technologies out there, and, and there's different fits for every single type of affiliate, every type of marketer. You can use that product to do lead gen. You could do that product, use that product to do uh, click to call. You could use that product to do list building and other things that we've showed you today. But the one thought that I would like to leave everyone here in the room with today is that you really have to think of yourselves as marketers. 
So you get your affiliates and your publishers and you're helping uh, bigger marketers push their products, but you have to think of yourselves as marketers as well. What can you do that a brand does to help promote your brand? How do you build your own databases? Instead of maybe not, you know, you might want to build them for the retailers to help them get acquisition, but you might want to build them for, the, for yourself as well, so that when you pull down an interesting offer or an interesting deal, you're able to take care of all, you're able to take advantage of all of those statistics that we talked about by building your own database and sending it out to your own contingency and driving that redemption for your own offers. And uh, that's all I really have today. I, th I thank you for your time and I have the opportunity to, uh, introduced Jody Marshowitz, and, and I knew nothing about her business last night. And the way that I value a business is if, if I can understand it quickly, I think it's a great idea, and it makes sense to me. And I drink a beer pretty fast. And she had me understand her entire business model before I finished one beer. So with that, I bring up Jody Marshowitz. Yeah, I have to walk when I talk, so I'm going to boot him down there. Oops, to the end of the slideshow here. Let's go to the beginning here. All right, here. Hold on a second. Having some technical difficulties. There we go. Okay, my name is Jody Marshowitz, yeah, as Gary said, and I'm the founder of iGuiders. We were founded in 2008, and what I'm go over today is a little bit about who we are, what our technology is, and why you should care, what value it provides to you. So what we've done is we've created a platform from which we can create guided shopping experiences that we can add to advertisements, to emails, and various different places. Um, Pepper Jam is helping us to um, introduce this technology into the affiliate space. They've become a partner of ours. And <clears throat> the reason why they were so interested in this is because it really drastically increases conversions and the engagement time from which customers spend inside that purchase funnel. So why do we exist? We exist because half of all potential web sales are lost because people just can't figure out what they're looking for, can't find what they're looking for. So the hottest trend for 2010 was to be able to get people through that decision funnel faster and more efficiently. And that's where we come in. So a typical solution, let's first talk about why are online conversion rates so low? And I say, you know, low, you know, 1%, 2%, you know, in different market verticals, it's a little bit higher. But why are they so low? And there's two reasons that I see why they're so low. The first is that it's really tough to get people into the purchase funnel, to get them to click on an ad. And the second problem is getting them through the funnel to a purchase. And the problem is that ads don't help people think. And people don't always know. They might know, I want to buy a dishwasher. But they don't even know what all the different decision points are in that. So they can click on an ad for KitchenAid. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to get to the website, figure out how to buy a dishwasher, and end up being a conversion. So let's take um, the Zales example first. And then I have a dishwasher example for you after. So, um, so pretend I'm a younger person, and I'm thinking about getting engaged, and I see an ad for Zales. So I click on that ad, and then I get to the Zales site. Well, if I don't know anything about buying an engagement ring, then getting to that site is probably going to make me feel a little bit overwhelmed. And not because they have a bad site. They've got a great site, but I just don't know how to buy an engagement ring. 
And so if it doesn't grab me in and take me through that process, I'm less likely to convert. And so that's the problem, that ads and websites don't necessarily always help you think through the process of what you're purchasing. So here's my dishwasher story. So last spring, I was buying new appliances for my kitchen, and I was looking for a dishwasher. So I went online, and I went to sites like Lowe's and Home Depot, and I started clicking through the filters. And they have the filters like price and brands and um, you know what finish I want. So I was frustrated. I'm like, I have no idea how to buy a dishwasher. So then what I started doing is I started comparing things, okay, and reading through the comparisons, but I really couldn't tell what the difference was. So after literally a few hours, I got so frustrated, I abandoned the process. So then I ended up going to a local store in Cleveland, I think it's in the Midwest, H.H. Gregg. And I went in there, and somebody helped me, and they said, what are you looking for? I said, a dishwasher. They said, all right, well, you know, do you put your dishes in the dishwasher dirty? And I said, no, I always put them in perfectly clean, but my husband just kind of sticks them in there, so they always have stuff all over them. So he said, well, then you need a compactor. He said, you need a, you know, a dishwasher that has a compactor, so do you care if your dishwasher's quiet? I said, well, I don't want it to be loud, but that's not the priority for me. And so he said, all right, well, you, then don't get, you can't get a Bosch, because they're very quiet, but they don't have compactors, so you're going to have to stick your hand in and take the food out. Well, I don't want to do that. So then he asked me, well, do you ever use, um, put vases in the dishwasher or wine glasses? And I said, oh, all the time. He said, all right, well, then you need adjustable racks. So anyways, we went through this series of questions, and at the end of it, he said, all right, these are the models that you should look at, these two right here. And that's what's missing on the Internet, is that searching online is such an independent activity, but people still need help along the way. They need that expertise to be guided to a specific product. And so what guiders do, let me show you an example. Whoops, wrong way. You take an ad like this, and then we turn that into a guided shopping experience. So we add a guiding shopping, guided shopping experience to that ad. We say, you know, guided shopping experience, click for help. So you go ahead and click on that. And then a guider pops up, okay, right on the page where the ad is, or it could open up in a separate browser window, however, um, you know, the, whoever puts the ad on their page gets to decide that. So the guiders ask targeted questions um, to be able to help somebody through the thought process of a purchase decision. So again, in the regular market, you click on an ad, you go to a site, and you rely on that. This way, what the retailers can do is they can create ads that actually walk somebody through this process. So in this example, it says, what describes your financial approach to buying an engagement ring? So what we select our answer, and then the next one is what total carat weight are you looking for? Again, if you've never bought an engagement ring, you might not even realize that these are some of the critical decision points you need to understand. So we go through here, what's her favorite cut of diamond? What setting would she prefer? Here are your results. And there's a see more on the right there, so you could have lots and lots of different results. So here are the results. When somebody clicks on the, the result, it takes them right to the place on the web page where they can make a purchase. So they don't have to wander through the site trying to figure this out. And so what guiders do is they replicate that in-store sales, consultative sales experience, but online, so people become more comfortable with what they're purchasing, and they're self-selecting what's interested to them, so it's a higher conversion. So our patent-pending technology is used to create this experience. 
And as I said, this doesn't just launch from an ad. It can launch from a website. You could put it in an email campaign. You can um, put it in a blog. It's just a link. Um, say you, you're writing about a subject. You add a guider right there. You, somebody clicks on it, and up pops the guided shopping experience, which then takes you to conversion. So how do guiders help affiliates? With guiders, you can showcase multiple products, and you could showcase multiple retailers. And that's one thing that we're doing through Pepper Jam right now, is we've created, shoot this here. This is um, an affiliate site, and in the bottom right-hand corner, that's one of our ads. So what we did is we took five retailers. It was NASCAR and um, MLB, they're all listed right there. I can't um, remember all of them. NFL, we took Sports Authority. So we took five retailers. We took the top 50 best-selling SKUs for each of those retailers, and we created a guider for shopping um, for a gift for the sports fan. And so when somebody clicks on that, up pops this screen where you could shop for the perfect gift. Again, five retailers we've been able to put in here. So from one spot on your site, you know, you're leveraging that real estate, you're able to take people to five different retailers' products. So we walk through here. Are you um, buying a gift for a sports fan? What's their favorite sport? So we're going to pick football. How do you want to find the best gift? Top gifts by NFL team. What's their favorite team? Dallas Cowboys. Okay, here are your results. So once again, not only do we have multiple retailers in there, but we have multiple products in there. So we're not just taking an ad and directing them to one place, one product, or taking them um, to one website. What we're able to do is let them decide what's important to them and let them self-select what they want, and that's why we have an increase in conversions. So again, it takes them to the site right where they can make a purchase. Another um, holiday gift guide is the Sky Mall one, where, again, it could just be one retailer specific, and they have a lot of different gifts. If you've ever been flying and you've looked through that catalog, which I did on the way here, there's, it's, it, it's inundating. It's great stuff, but my God, you go to their website, there's so many things. So a guider helps get somebody through that purchase pro, um, process much faster. So... Right now, we're really doing a lot of different gift guides. Um, again, through Pepper Jam, Pepper Jam um, publish their services, helps to um, create these. There's holiday gift guides, Valentine's is coming up, so Valentine's gift guides, birthday gift guides, wedding gift guides, whatever you want. We can help work with you to create these. So if you work with a handful of different retailers, you could say, hey, I'd like to be able to put a guider on my site. Let's try and get these retailers engaged to submit products for this guider. Again, I think I already mentioned this, you know, online ads, email campaigns, social media. You could use this in websites. There's many different, <coughs> sorry, ways <coughs> that you could put that. The other thing that we do, sorry, I need water. I know. I don't want it. <laughs> so anyways, <coughs> we also generate leads from guiders. So at the bottom left corner right there, you can see we could put a call to action in a guider. Click here for a coupon. Send us your mobile address, you know, your mobile number. You know, send us your information. If you want to be added to our mailing list, we could add that in there. And when someone clicks on that, up pops a screen where they can put their name, their email. We added a, a place for a mobile number that was actually there. And they could send a message. And what's really cool about this is that not only can we send that in real time to you or to the retailer, you could decide where it goes, but we send you the entire click paths that somebody went through along the way. So if they selected, back to the Zales example, if they selected that they're buying an engagement ring, 
and they want a two-carat diamond, and they want yellow gold, and they want to have baguettes on the side. We send that information along with all of that. So that's really good behavioral targeted data so you know how to market to them later on. For the sports guider that I talked about, um, just on some of the sites we've seen, we can tell that on that particular affiliate site, people love NASCAR and they love um, NFL. So that's information we can feed them so then later on they could actually put those ads on their site. I mean, you have to decide which ads are going to convert the best, right? So you have a lot of different items to pick from, a lot of different creatives to pick from. So knowing more about your audience through using one of these guiders is very helpful in doing selecting later on for ads that you could put on your site. We also track every single click that happens in a guider. So we are able to tell you what people are interested, what they're not interested in. So maybe a retailer's guide or maybe with your audience, they're really not interested in an entire segment of products. Well, we know that right away and can switch up that mix very easily. We work with data feeds and we're able to take those in and um, create the guiders and make changes to them. But again, this is great information that you'll be able to get about your target audience so that you'll have that information for later on when you're deciding which different ads you're going to put on your site or for retargeting. So far, what we've seen is guiders have increased conversions 20 to 30%. 33% of visitors actually come back into a guider at another point. So again, that um, is another reason for them to come back to your site, to jump back into that ad so that they can go through that guided experience again. So it builds customer loyalty and also helps with retention. 25% of visitors are directed to a product page that they've self-selected that they're interested in going to, which is why this is helping to increase conversion rates. For email campaigns, 65% of people who are going through those guiders are getting to a product page that they've specifically selected that they're interested in. So how would you even start using guiders at this point? Um, like I said, you know, Pepper Jam is one of our partners. You can go contact Pepper Jam Publisher Services. Um, <clears throat> Find out what guiders are available. We might have guiders available today that you could put on your site tomorrow. If we don't have one with some of your retailers that you're partnered with, then you can contact them to decide what is right to build for your audience. Also, um, you get to choose the launch and placement options. I haven't even gone over the different options, but there's a lot of different levers and a lot of different ways that you could add this into your different campaigns. And then you can measure the success. You'll get the conversion data, and you'll get all the data from us on how that guider is performing. So in summary, you know, the guiders, they deliver longer engagements, as you could see with the examples, higher conversions. We leverage the real estate that you have, again, by turning one spot into a way to reach so many different products and so many different retailers. It also differentiates you from your competition. If people just have regular ads, you know, people tune out ads now. It's very hard to get people into that funnel. With a guided shopping experience, it's more enticing to get people into the funnel. It also requires little to no IT involvement. Um, I mean, literally, if you're just putting an ad on from Pepper Jam, it requires nothing. You just take the ad. If you wanted to just add a, a guide to your website, you could contact us directly. Sorry. And um, we'll give it to you. We'll give you a little JavaScript. It literally takes less than a minute to add it to your site. And then there you have it. The guider can come up. It increases retention and repeat purchases. So the, the big point here is that not only do we help people get into the funnel, but we help get people through the funnel to a purchase. And that's really what's missing on the internet right now. So if you're curious, 
give us a call. Stop by the Pepper Jam booth. We have some uh, data sheets there you could pick up, my cards there, or you could talk to me or Pepper Jam. Thanks. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> Thanks, Jody. Is it hot? <laughs>